Welcome to another episode of The Carmudgeon Show. I am on the television. I see that. Well, actually, that's a Maserati Quattro Porte 5 on the television. I but. promise you I was just there. I think this is stu- shot in the studio. Oh, that's not. Anyway. Uh, no, that is, that's you. It's part of your episode. Yes, exactly. And we are on Samsung TV Plus. This is a Samsung TV. There I am. Look at me. It's but, a Jason Camisa. Yes, because you can now watch everything that we do, including the Carmen Show and all the other stuff, not only on the YouTubes and at your pav- favorite podcast provider, but also on Samsung TV Plus, uh, channel 1194. One, one, wow, um, amazing. Yes. Um, it, Your dreams of I'm being like, on I'm TV. Just, I don't know, like I, we have to do an intro, but I just kind of want to watch this. Um, yeah, so we're going to make fun of people again. People are just watching the TV in much the same way that you and I are just watching the TV. Well, I mean, it's a, it was a good episode and that car was beautiful. I think I can hold on. I bet I could go back and try a different source somehow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this mm-hmm. is an episode of the Carmudgeon Show. Yeah. Part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. Yes. This episode is us finishing the alphabet, judging people for the yes. cars they drive. Effectively. <laughs> oopsies. No, uh, not oopsies. I mean, it needs to be done. That's true. Somebody's got to say that these people are fucking idiots. Many of them are. And many of them are very smart. Some, yes, that's true. Uh, so yes, the second half of the alphabet... Letters Z through K. 3% weight distribution in the rear. Sorry. Impressive for a sedan. <laughs> Maserati Quattro Porte 5. Yes. Go buy one, but don't buy Ghibli. That was one of the key takeaways from this yeah, episode. That's true. Whoopsie. Uh, anyway, uh, if you like this content, then join the Haggerty Podcast Network. No, just kidding. The Haggerty Drivers if Club. If you like this kind of, you might consider, you can't tell them to do this. You can ask them to pol- politely ask them to consider joining the Haggerty Drivers Club. Oh, sorry. Because that includes, and I'll let you do it. Uh, unlimited access to our valuation tool, flatbed towing for all of your collectibles, for all of your classic cars, mm-hmm. but not your classic books. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I, now you've confused me. I've I've uh, lost my place. What else did we talk about? I valuation don't know. It's in the tool? description below. It's fine. Okay, is that really where you're going to yeah, leave I it? Yeah, okay. I think the link is in the description yeah, below. We've bored them, to and tears. now I'm going to clap. Yes. Weak. All right, we're back. I think we're recording, so we should stop talking shit. About the Jake, the depth of the uh, the used electric car market yes. from the 80s. The fraudulently used, uh, fraudulent used electric, whatever. Anyway, um, so we didn't get fully canceled. Let's try again. Yeah. Uh, I brought my composition book. Okay. Uh, and in this composition book, I have the remaining list of automobile manufacturers because this is a fucking iPad. I'm sorry. I, so I, bought I was iPad. using composition books all wrong when I was in grade school. Right? That was what was inside of those things. I did. <laughs> I am not one of those people who has ever used an iPad, but I have, I've been traveling and on the road and I'm doing a ton of research. It's so the easy thing for me to do is buy them as an ebook or even just scan and take pictures of, of it and then like read on a plane. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And then I found the most amazing cover in the world. Like, isn't that cool? It's fabulous. Remind you of your childhood? Yes. Um, but anyway, but this- considerably more computing power. Could be. So yeah, on this, there will be a list of all the manufacturers and I don't have to do it on my phone. So okay. I that was- um, Where did we leave off? We I probably think, should have checked that before we started Jeep, recording. Right? Didn't we do key? key uh, Jeep or Kia? I don't remember what it was. 
I know we did Jeep. Why don't we start at the end of the alphabet and work our way backwards? And then by the time we do that, Jake can tell us what the last one that we did was in the last episode. Does that work for you, Jake? So, but hold on. I'm going to have to make the thumbnail. It's not going to be like part two. It's going to be do or like everything will be backwards. Z Z through K. Z through K. Um, All right. So fine. Z. There is no Z, but there is a Volvo. Mm, Volvo today. And by the way, you need to remind me not to review the cars, but instead review the people. Yes. Right. Okay. There were a couple of times where we're like, you know, good warranty. Mm, yeah. I think you said that one actually, but yeah. I did get some feedback from some persnickety OCD friends. of. Mine. I know exactly who it was. Yes. You'll be visiting. Did he recently soon. purchase a BMW? He recently purchased a BMW, didn't he? No. What yes, he did. are you talking about? The same one you're talking about. Oh yeah. God. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. He also bought a Quattroporte. So uh, he's, this is a friend who He's has specializing in the, the low disorder. purchase price to high perfection making. He yes, he bought the world's most perfect Quattroporte. It has like two twenty eight hundred miles on it or something, and he's now he's had it for four months and he's never driven it because it's just gone. I think he's driven it forty miles from shop to shop to shop to shop to shop because he's going to have the world's most perfect Quattroporte. What kind of shop? Shop shod shop. Shop shop shop. <laughs> he's gonna. He, that, that was that an inside joke or did we talk about the no, shop? We never talked. We never talked about we were it. From, from Boston, we were we were cutting some metal in the shop, and he was like, "Watch out, those shards are sharp." And shads so are we, sharp, right? And he's like, "Where'd you get those shap shads?" Oh, I got them at the. I got those shap shads at the shop shop shop. Shap shad shop. It's once you say it, you can't. Anyway, um, it's been to upholstery shop and just having a bunch of little things done, including an X pipe that the mm-hmm. uh, later GTS has got. So uh, he's, I guess he's trying to cause people to spontaneously melt into puddles of their own juices walking around on the street. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, who buys Volvo? I want, I like, uh, I think it's the sort of people with money who don't want other people to know they have money. That's the kind of way I imagine Volvo. I mean, you know, we just talked about well, on the, when they, he was here, Anthony Esposito just bought a Volvo. Mm-hmm. So I think for the purpose of being perfectly fair to Anthony, we should just insult him. Oh, okay. It's very East Coast. It is, isn't there? Not, well, there are Volvos here. I don't know the type of person. I mean, back in the day, it was a safe car. Like even George Carlin did routines on yeah. Volvo drivers. Yes. Um, and I mean, it's such an, it, it was historically such an unimaginative shape that it was just like, a rendering of what a child would think a car looks like. You know, yeah. it's just, there's so little emotion. It is so antithetical to Italian. It's anti-Italian. Right. In that, so in the, in the 80s and 90s, you're talking about the full box, right? Yeah, 700s and 900 and series. yet, everything Volvo makes right now about is stunning. Mm-hmm. Which is annoying, because then we can't make fun of the people who buy it. Um, well, and there's also an element of premiumness without wanting to be conspicuous. I think that's to be commended. There's not a lot of sort of powertrain imagination, I guess. No, the only thing that's really quote unquote wrong with Volvos right now is they're all four cylinders. Like if they made a six cylinder wagon again, six cylinder or anything. um, This is a tough one because you sort of want to insult them for being boring. Uh, and yet they're, but by virtue of not being douchey because it's a premium car that is, doesn't have the brand cachet of a, a German premium mark. There's something to be commended about that. So are they like a middle-class sophisticate? I think they might be higher than middle-class. 
but they're interested in not um, portraying a moneyed image, which is very sort of like New England. Yeah. Right? It's the same type of person who would buy a Mercedes wagon yeah. as their inexpensive car, even right. though it's so expensive yeah, because exactly. the alternative was driving around in a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Hmm? Okay. Have we come up with the description? I mean, do we like these people on the road? On I the feel road? Like I, I feel like I they're sort of not motoring. They're not motorists. <laughs> yeah. They're barely moving. It, may, it might be because they don't want to hear the four-cylinder. That's um, fair. But remember, this whole A to Z thing started out because we hate Subaru drivers, right? And so I feel like we should evaluate the people who drive this car, but also then fail not fail to mention how much we hate them on the road. Because they, we do need to be careful to hate everyone equally. They're a little nondescript, I think. They're sort of just traffic <laughs> as drivers. Yeah, which is interesting because they're so beautiful um, that you'd think they would pop even at a, you know the average Well, speed. I mean, the way they behave. Yeah. They're behaving just like it's traffic. Average. They're yes. just average, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, prior to that, we have Volkswagen. Uh, there's a lot of different Volkswagens. There's like... I think I saw something from some insurance company that said that GTI owners are among the most frequently ticketed for speeding. Shocker. I know. So there's that side of Volkswagen. And then there's like Atlas. I have a cheap and crappy three row SUV because Touaregs weren't selling well here and are magnificent. Uh, sorry, I'm just bitter. That so the historically, I feel like Volkswagen drivers were people who knew a little, wanted a little bit more than a Toyota or a Honda, right? They were willing mm -hmm. to spend a little bit more on a semi-premium German branded car. I think mm -hmm. somehow covered Volkswagen. Yeah, in the previous we did one. talk about this. Um, so I just sort of think well-traveled. Like mm -hmm. I hate to say it that way because in the, in a land of like Atlas, maybe not, yeah. but like people who- Or drive, US Passat. Right. But people one. who drove, drive golfs yes. and Jettas- In the US. In the US tend to have passports with a lot of stamps in them. Yeah, I mean it's a sort of thoughtful choice, I guess. It's it's a it, the price point is not super different from a mainstream selection, but the sort of decision tree that takes you there is a reasoned one. It's not a sort of, or it could be the like, ooh, I'm in high school and I want a Jetta because I'm because Daddy said I could have one. There was that there's element There's always too. been that, right? Jetta, For Jetta, I don't know if that's true anymore. Cabriolet, also. but that was true when I went to high school. Yeah. Right, all of the people who were very daddy special girl or whatever were driving Jettas. Jettas. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something about Volkswagens that transcends wealth that I don't think really happens with too many other cars. Right? And it They're, doesn't happen in Europe with those cars. Does it? Oh yeah. Oh really? Yo, you go, I thought it was unique to here. No, 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 no. That, that's, I thought it was like old ladies driving, you know, Jetta wagons was like a thing there. There, I mean, Jetta is, as a whole in Europe, Europe is an old is, person. Is an old person choice. car, which yeah. uh, which find we find strange because as you said, it's like you know twenty one year old. Yeah, it's uh, because check. we have because hatchbacks are a dirty word in the U.S. But in Europe, you are absolutely you drive around like Baden Baden or like go to any really fabulously wealthy town, even Bad Homburg, where the Quant family lives that owns BMW. The golfs are everywhere. Everyone drives mm -hmm. a golf. It's like the sort of de default transportation pod, um, or even smaller. But you golf is just the easy choice, and it's kind of a boring choice. But it's like I need a dinghy to get me to the shops, and so you're just as likely to see a golf parked in in front of a you know ten million euro mansion as you are a BMW or Bentley. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that happens, or that's the help. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I never thought about that. Maybe I'm trying to feel make myself feel better that there's a there's a golf in front of my shitty house. <laughs> um, interesting. We bought you this, yeah, oops. so that you can get to the shops for us. Well, the funny so thing that we is, need not go. I had a Mark III Golf four door that was originally a two point slow automatic. And this was owned by a uh, my friend Mike, who we still have to do an episode on. One of his clients was an older German gentleman who did not speak any English. And he had a bunch of amazing cars. He had uh, a 140 that he bought new. So all of his cars were new. So his like sort of dailies were a 140 S, uh, 500 SEL, because the first year. Um, he had a 500 SL or 129. He had a 3000 GT VR4, a Lexus wow. SC430. Uh, 400, 400. It was a 400. It was an automatic. Yes, it was a 400. Um, he had a, a Corniche two convertible, which was the first car I ever did donuts in, in a high mm. school parking lot at three o'clock because I was 18 and that's what I thought was the reasonable thing to do. But anyway, he had, he had a bunch of these cars. And the funny thing is at the time I thought that was an outrageous amount of cars and he had <laughs> almost three times that many cars. But anyway, um, whose combined value is different. Yes. I'm trying. Yeah. Quite different. <coughs> um, but he bought golf for the for guests and for the maids. It was the see, and that was it's the, car the guest that, house. Right, he just needed a car that he could give to the maids and say, "Hey, I need you to take X, you know, stuff over to so and so's house. We're having a party, and our our chef is making this." I mean, these people were moneyed, um, yes. and that was the. That's the car that I wanted to buy. And I was like all proud of myself. And this was the guests. But he wouldn't have considered, like he would have never considered, uh, you know, Toyota like Corolla or something. Like I had a Corolla at the time. That was my my car. And everyone looked at that and laughed. And yet the Golf was exactly the same amount of money. And mm -hmm. it fit, fit in. That in is Palm the Beach. German image in the United States, though, generally. It's also when you watch uh, John Davis do reviews, he's always describing them their products as sporty. Even the, what is that, the B4? Or Passat, mm -hmm. or B3 maybe. He's talking about how sp German sports sedan, right, yeah. which is amusing to me. He's well, like, it was a golf underneath. Yeah. And it was a golf with a golf plus so with a two liter 16 valve or a VR6. Mm -hmm. um, okay, next one. VinFast. Oof. Have you seen any? On the yeah, roads? I've seen a bunch of them transporters with hauling an entire load of them. And I've seen one or two on the road just. Uh, Loose. <laughs> I mean, I guess the only word that I could use to describe them is like I don't know how to just, uh, use that term. It's the dog vomit sound. Yeah. Um. Every okay, I haven't driven one. Every everyone I've spoken to or heard of who has says they're absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't know who the fuck would buy one. Right. And the thing about it is that every the one of the articles that I read about it, they said it's expensive for how bad it is. And yeah. so it's one thing, it's like the, the place that Hyundai started in the United States was you're like, well, it's got a lot of features and it doesn't cost much and it seems to be a car. Right. And so like those are the obvious like value proposition that the the thing offers. This is not cheap. So and if it's not good, then why? Well, they're buying it for its weight. <laughs> they weigh like 6,800 pounds. I don't know. Clueless so, is the only yeah, thing I can think of. Yeah, irrational, nonsensical. I mean, what Money is Money to burn? I mean, it's, it goes far beyond yeah. nonsensical because, yeah. you know, high heels are irrational purchases, but people buy them because of the way they look. Who the fuck is buying a VinFast? Yeah, what is the plus? What's in the plus column? Unproven? Nope, that's not it. <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, there are no, what could the plus be? Yeah, they, the plus would have to be cheapness. But it's not. Service network? No, oh, no, no not womp, that. Womp. Uh, well, I don't know. Plus, 
if I hate Elon Musk and I want an electric SUV that's poorly built, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Can't you buy a? There aren't. There's enough other options out there, there though. Are. From yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Car manufacturers. I'm not. I've, I remain unconvinced as to why anyone would buy that. So I'd okay. have to say clues. Well, yeah, Toyota. Mm. Relentlessly pragmatic. You can't use the term relentless to describe anything other than a Lexus. I'm kidding. Pragmatic. I mean, pragmatic is it. That is actually, you know, we can make fun of Toyotas and their drivers, but the the cars are fantastically good. Yeah. At caring. At caring. Um, Yeah, we just had an interesting uh, thing where my neighbor is buying a a Range Rover and she's only a Land Rover and she's only ever had Land Rovers. She's very, very much a Rover kind of girl. And a friend stopped by who was just on her. He's like, you know, these things are horribly unreliable. And she's like, my last, her LR4 is 10 years old. She's had no real issues with it until right now, 100,000 miles on it. Her previous uh, Land Rover, she had 10 years and didn't have any repairs on it. And she's like, this is just it. And he's like, what the fuck do you mean? He's just beating her up, like no repairs. And it's funny because her definition of no no repairs is very different than what a Toyota drivers would right. Like the Toyota yes. driver would be like, I literally never, I, every 30,000 miles I went to the dealership for an oil change and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And hers is like, well, and he's like, no check engine light. She's like, well, of course, like, but it's just a light yeah. and you had to bring it in. Well, I brought it in when I felt like it and they just gave me a bill and it went away, but it like never died and left her on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And so from her perspective, that's reliability. And from a Toyota perspective, like a Toyota person is, I, I can't even like a squeak is like, that's it. You're dead to me. Yeah. It's so funny how our perspectives are, our expectations color. This is like this conversation you describe with Chrysler minivan owners. I was just going to say that. Yeah. The, the transmissions. Yeah. They would, they would say they, this is, we talked about this a million times, but when I was in college, I'd set up displays at malls and special events and concerts and people would come over and they all love their Chrysler their, minivans, their Dodge caravan or their Plymouth Voyagers. And they're like, Oh, my last one, I put 130,000 miles on it. It never gave me any shit. Like, I'm like, really? Never broke? Oh, never. I'm like, transmission? Oh, yeah, I went through through three of those. And like, what about the door latch recalls? Did your kids fly out the back? Oh, well, yeah, the the door did fly open once. But we didn't like that kid that much anyway. We had another one. It was fine. Um, You know, expectations are, you know, Toyota Toyota driver's expectation levels are. Yes, Toyota driver's expectation levels are high. And American motorists' expectation levels have just been sort of like, well, yeah, all cars do that. At some point, that was true. And that was the whole thing that in the 80s, when the imports started arriving and making serious head way especially with efficiency combine that with efficiency right. then american motorist standards started to sort of um, improve yeah i mean i definitely would expect if somebody was buying a toyota i would expect them to get in drive a hundred thousand miles and have not a single complaint about anything having malfunctioned mm-hmm. um or 150,000 miles whatever yeah. it is and i just wouldn't expect that from most of anything else so the type of person who buys that is actually making a really good choice Yes. Because they're inherently not interested in driving for the sake of pleasure. Unless, Unless it's a, it's a GR, GR product and then you have this whole other column where it's yeah. just like deeply enthusiastic. Yeah. And some of the most compelling enthusiast products on the market right now. Yeah, a lot of them are t- say toyed on it, which is mm-hmm. fucked up. Uh, okay. Our favorite Subaru. I don't think we need to beat that dead horse anymore. No, I think we did it twice last episode. Yeah, that's totally fine. I'm never going to get it. They are dead in the left part. lane anyway. Rolls Royce. The person who buys a Rolls Royce, I'm going to go first. Where I come from, we got a term called Gavone. And a Gavone is a pig, 
mm-hmm. right? Um, probably from the Italian cafone. But a gavone is somebody who's showing off, and they got they got terrible manners, and they're throwing, they're talking like this with with food in their mouth at the table. They're just ill mannered and grotesque. Mm-hmm. And my impression of a Rolls Royce driver is somebody who's a fucking gavone. Hmm. And I'm going to be banned from driving Rolls Royces again. I mean, what do you think when you see a Cullinan on the street? Gauche, it's right. so very gauche. Gauche, Gavone, same thing. <laughs> I, like, who but are the, you trying? To yeah, do? you know what? You're the the type of person, or they are have, they're from the old country and they've brought their ways with them in a Cullinan. No, not in a Cullinan. Yeah. No, that's not the vehicle they would choose i mean i phantom has something magical about it i i have to differentiate also and you said we cannot review the cars i find those cars they're guilty pleasure of mine which ones the phantom and the the i mean look they're good cars you interact with it and you're just like oof, this is pretty um I could rock Lux. a Phantom, like I, I totally. You yeah, know, Cullinan, I would not, could not. Even the the you know the Dawn wasn't yeah. bad. I mean, it was it was a con job. Part of that was my problem with a lot of a lot of the last generation Rolls Royces is they are con jobs. They're BMWs mm-hmm. that are charted up. Mm-hmm. Now there is a trickle down effect on some of the BMW stuff. So the current X7. Well, they came out, Rolls-Royce came out recently with their own dedicated platform, so they're no longer shared. That's what they claim. That's what they claim. Uh, I think actually the, uh, what do they call the fan? Something of luxury, the uh, platform of luxury. God, they have a name for this, this mm. platform, which is actually just an X7. Like a Cullinan is an X7. Uh, and and there's a trickle up effect, right? The, the X7 is quite a quiet, comfortable, well-insulated cruiser because of it. I think that makes it less of an ultimate driving machine than it even otherwise would have been. Um, architecture of luxury, I think that was what mm. they called it. Uh, I don't believe that that's not just off-the-shelf BMW componentry that's used by BMW stuff. And so I think that's a fraudulent Assertion. Thing. Now, Phantom is a different story. Phantom, I believe, is its own thing. Mm. And that's an experience. I'm, it really unlike is. Unlike anything else. Yeah. It's difficult to touch anything in that car and find plastic. Yeah. It's also difficult to hear anything, including yes. the screams of those who you're running over and not feeling. Yes, because of the ama- amazing suspension. Yeah. It's a very cool experience. Yeah. You, you experience it, you're like, this is a different category mm. from most other cars. Yeah. And it's funny also when you get into something like a Phantom, you drive the car and you are like, okay, well, I hear this road noise. I, you know, I hear all kinds of stuff. It doesn't ride all that well. And then you get into anything else and you're like, oh shit, yeah. no. Where this is all this was all gone because you, yes. get, you often can't notice the absence of something. Yeah, I mean you can definitely feel the the absence of power until the turbos kick in. Um, there's there's turbo lag and there's a tremendous amount of throttle lag built in, so mm-hmm. throttle yes. opens slowly. Yes, so to, to make the progress smooth. Yeah. But when it is fully open, it is moving along. Yes, they are. Sorry, I forgot to turn Wi-Fi off, so my my composition book was just ringing. Huh. Um, okay, that was Rolls Royce Rivian. Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> and there are enough around here. I don't know if that's, I doubt that's the case in the rest of the country, but they are there are everywhere. There are a lot here. of them around here. Yeah. Uh, and we're reviewing the person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested. 
I'm interested to talk to them and figure out their process. I like that it's not a Tesla. And I mean, also, I my reaction to the thing is that, like, that thing is so cool, right? It, it just, it functions so well and does all this cool stuff and it's not a Tesla. And so that for me is like, okay, you've had some independence. It has some identity. It's trying to bring the thing that makes the resale values of Forerunners so high to EVs, which I appreciate. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of them as sort of wealthy, West Coast technology-oriented people. Yes, I think that the like the R1S is actually the car that everyone who drives a Range Rover actually wants. They just mm-hmm. don't know yet. So the only word I would associate with the drivers is Pilates. <laughs> like, I feel like all of them at any given point are like, you know, homemakers, male or female, who are twirling their hair going... Uh, my Pilates instructor is late, so now I'm just going to be late to my therapist. And I wonder if I should just get like a smoothie on the way or some like um, whatever bougie people drink that are smoothies with their acai, acai bowl. I should stop and get like an acai bowl, but will I also have time to get like a super green smoothie on my way with kale and mm. ground up whatever the fuck? Yeah, I just Pilates. <laughs> that could be a regional thing. Yeah, okay. Um, nothing wrong with Pilates. Uh, Ram. I mean, I guess we should differentiate. There's probably a very big difference between like a Ram Promaster TRX and a Promaster, which is a shitty Fiat with like a one cylinder diesel. So, so if it's a pickup truck, it's like, you know, that thing weighs 7,000 pounds. Why are you doing 112 miles an hour in the left lane sitting on the limiter? Because if they couldn't afford it, they would be in an Altima. (laughs) That's why. Yes. That's, um, that's the only Ram. I would they're have so say. impolite as drivers. I've noticed a lot of impolite Ram, Ram drivers? drivers lately. I just know that every time I see one that has a big horn badge on the side of it, I laugh myself. <laughs> like at some point, somebody had to come up with big horn. No, <laughs> like shut up. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So who are the consumers? Kind of, they're. I, the interior of a Ram pickup is nicer than most of the other pickup trucks. But that said, that's only the like the hundred thousand dollar versions. I don't know. I don't pay attention to pickup driver drivers. Mm. They're you know they should be contractors. That's what pickup trucks should be for. Mm-hmm. But Porsche. Don't use the W word. Too obvious. Uh. Okay. It's tough because there's a lot of different Porsches. Yeah. A Macan 2-liter is a very different buyer than a GT3 RS buyer, I would say. Yes. No. No. Actually, no. I would say the the buyer of a 2-liter Macan has one thing in common with the buyer of any Porsche GT car. And it's that they're a brand whore. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I was going to say pursuit of status. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the problem is they are objectively deserving. That's the annoying part. I know. I mean, the cars are great. Yeah. Although a Macan 2 liter. Oh, I mean, well, I had that one as a loner yeah. that I used as a rally vehicle. 99.97 <laughs> miles on it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I have a fundamental problem with a GTI engine. Yeah. Macan. Like, I think that it should at least be able to move out of its you know, own way. Um, but I think status chaser is really a, is a, is a common theme among quote Porsche drivers. 
Yeah, and this is I struggle with this because it is different, so different from how it used to be. And I sort of miss that, I, of course, because I am ancient. Uh, but my dad recounts the story about how he was driving around in Chicago in one in the 1960s. And someone's like, what kind of car is that? And he's like, it's a Porsche. And he's like, what? Have I recounted this before? I don't know. Uh, and he said, what kind of car is it? My dad's like, a sports car? My dad's like, and he's <laughs> Who like, makes it? And he was like, what, how much does a sports car cost? My dad told him, he was like, that's more than a Cadillac. Why would you do that? It's so small. Yeah. <laughs> like, I miss that that sort of ethos. You miss, because, oh, okay. because you have to have, you know, you have to, if you, it takes a certain mindset to buy this thing that has 90 horsepower and costs a lot of money. Uh, and it, it has to, it's, it's inward looking. You bought it because it made you happy and it did things you wanted to do. It wasn't oriented towards making other people impressed it wasn't about image at all and that probably changed in the 80s i'm guessing with the yuppification of bmw and porsche and everybody else i was just looking at the list very confused because there's a company missing that i think i want to talk about and that's lotus i feel like a modern equivalent to that that's ethos. probably because they couldn't get the uh certification yeah. for the emira <laughs> we don't need to insult them but there is no uh, currently there are no 2024 model year uh low tie, low tie that are approved for sale according to fueleconomy.gov um yeah, I think that that's what I like about a Lotus is mm -hmm. that it's the sort of unknown uh, douche negating factor of it's Porsche. Interesting because in I think most regular citizens see that form factor and they're like, "That's an expensive sports car." I, the interesting thing about having an Elise is that no one knows what it is and they're they're happy about it. Whereas you know, you kind of show up in a, especially like a red Ferrari or something. You're just yes, immediately yes. you're the end. You're a hero to 15% and an enemy to 85%. Yeah. I've never had anyone mad at me by virtue. <laughs> Certainly be, never had anyone mad at me because of the way I drive. No, but I've never had anyone be like upset that it's a Lotus. Like, what are you driving a Lotus? What are you doing? Whatever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. They're just sort of like, okay. cool, because they know I'm suffering. I yeah. think it must be like... They're like, oh, that guy's, you know, that fat old man is going to have to climb out of that thing at some point. I'll let him cut me off. Um, my experience with it, it, well, people who, yeah, definitely didn't know what it was because my ex had a purple exige and it was like, a, right. it cost $30,000, which mm -hmm. was a lot of money then. But for the amount of impact that it generated, which I think was no less in the general public in for that car anyway, then would be generated by like a modern Lamborghini or Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And so everyone had the expectation that it cost more than it did. Uh, but yeah, nobody knows what it is. There's this, it's the same thing that happens when people are crossing in the crosswalk in front of the yeah. 308 Dino. They're looked down and they read it. And then the, the, there's no light bulb of comprehension. There's right. just like continued confusion mm -hmm. instead. I get, everyone asks what it is. I mean, if I park mm -hmm. that thing outside of a restaurant and I get out of the car, somebody will say, what's that? Lotus. Who makes that? Lotus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Lotus Elise. Oh, yeah, but who makes Lotus? Lotus makes Lotus. In the same way that the Rover does the same thing, but yes, that yes. I expect people. But yeah, the Lotus doesn't seem it's to be. It's an enthusiast only right. sort of, you know. Right. But the people who are not enthusiasts are smiling. And that's the difference with Porsche is that there's a lot of not enthusiasts who are operating Porsches because for other reasons that don't have to do with genuine old school enthusiasm. Or they've heard it enough from us, from yes. us, meaning the media saying, yes. you know, these are the best, Porsche makes the best sports cars on the planet right now, yeah. period. And it's not even up for discussion. I'm trying to think of if I can think of anyone who would even disagree with that. Um, I don't think anyone's even close. And so, yeah, so of course they're going to, 
in the same way that BMW made the best sports sedan in the 1980s, and that became the sort of yuppification of BMW. Same thing with Porsche right now. So I don't even know if that was what yuppified it. Was it the goodness? Is it became a? Why did it become a status symbol? I guess is the question. I feel like most of the brands in the U.S. that have become status symbols have done it by entering via a select few cognoscenti who then distribute that notion to the masses. I wouldn't use the word cognoscenti because I just wouldn't use the word cognoscenti because I'm not a douchebag. So let's next episode we can do judging people who use the word cognoscenti. I'm kidding. No, enthusiasts, right? I mean, David E. Davis. Honda's, you know, Honda's had a huge following among a a very small, loyal group. Uh, I should say huge following. Had a very enthusiastic following among Mm -hmm. a small crowd who then sold their little weird cars onto into the mass market same thing with subaru right now same thing with volkswagen i mean you know you had the beetle and that went away and then the mark one sort of mark two stuff came out and the crazy hippies loved their volkswagens and the enthusiasts loved their gti and eventually that translated to mass market appeal Mm. and so i feel like porsche is the same way it was you know guys like your dad who knew better otherwise known as consenti um would uh would then sell other people on it yeah Okay. Evangelize effectively. Evangelize. Yeah. Polester. Polester. Um, I like those things. And so I want to say nice things. Is it just a, a Volvo driver who's, you know, less tweed and more electrified? Electrified. I, don't know. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see them that many. There's a lot of them that are rental cars too. Oh, really? Hertz has a big fleet of them. Of Polestars? I don't, I see them all over the place and I feel like everyone, the cars are beautiful, but also kind of nondescript in some ways. Mm -hmm. I don't think, the Polestar 1 was amazing. Yes, of course. That's its own thing. Polestar 2, um, I just kind of feel like it's a, it's the only real viable choice that's not a Model Y. Like it's the only real viable Model Y, Tesla competitor. Three. Three, three. Y, yeah. yeah. It's so tall that it looks more like a Y yeah. than it is three. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's the anti Tesla person. I have I have bought myself a Polestar yeah. because I'm not going to use I'm not going to buy a Tesla again because I had three of them. Yeah. I think that's yeah. kind of the typical buyer. And there's a sort of like understated design to the yeah. interior that's very pleasant, mm-hmm. but not plain, not, not as plain, plain as a Tesla. Right. Yep. Nissan. Woof. What a shame on this one. I mean, I know the peak when you think about the peak of Nissan and the what when do you want to call this period, the 90s, yeah. It's I really just, I find it hard to explain to people how cool Nissan was. Yeah. I mean, you think about the uh, old Z ad with the the Japanese dude with the, the 300ZX ad with the red and it's a Barbie and Ken and then there's the Japanese dude at the end. You don't remember these ads no. from the 90s? No. The red 300ZX. No. No recollection. Oh my god. Like World that's Series. the image huh. when maximum coolness of Nissan. I mean, for me, it was a Sentra SER. Like, yeah. you know, even same era, same, same era, right? It was mid nineties. That was, SCR was hot shit. SX, the 240SX was hot shit. And um, the, the four door sports car notion was like. The Altima, remember that thing came out? The thing which was, one? The first one, the original Altima. 
when it was called Stanza Ultima, 93. Oh, yeah. Stanza Ultima was 93. That oh, was a yes, hot, yes, 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 car. yes. That had a head-up display. Yeah, I remember those. And then you could get them like in the sporty ones and they had rear wings. And then, of course, you look at the Infinities from the same period, like the, uh, was it the I-30? Like, Wait, well, it was a Maxima. That was a little bit, yeah. I think that was a little bit later anyway. But, but it's all part of Nissan Group, but, which yeah, they were G20, making cool cars. Which was yeah, a Nissan Sentra. The that, um, then there was, uh, yeah, they were... M30 was always fucking weird. Yes. Like Infinity's, that, was, that was after Infinity's the Infinity start was a little bit wrong. Oh, the M30, yes. Yeah. The box one. The box one. Yeah, the, yeah, and the Q45. But the i30, which would be like mid to late 90s, that yeah. was a hot car. Which was, was a Maxima, Maxima, which was still pretty hot car at that point. At yeah. least fast as fuck, if, if yeah. nothing nothing else. But the four-door, 40 SC, yeah. four-door sport which was car, Maximas were amazing. But yeah. They're good cars. They're good cars. Yeah, which is so different from now, right? So as soon as we start talking about Nissan, we talk about the past, and we have not yet spoken about the current Nissan, which is just like the people who are responsible for burdening us with CVTs. It didn't that all originate? Here's the Nissan CVT really does. Yeah, it did originate. No, Subaru Justy technically. Sorry, but, mainstreaming. Yeah, uh, for sure. And Nissan's CVT works really well with the three and a half liter VQ. Because that engine's so torquey that you can just putter along and like merge onto the freeway at twenty four hundred RPM and never hear the engine. It's the four cylinders where even though the Nissan two and a half liter is pretty pretty powerful, but ugh, no. Um, so who are, who's buying these cars? Because we're reviewing the cars now, but we forgot. To, yes, we have to insult the, the, the people. The people who don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> God. They purchased a car against their will. Yeah. Um, I They're mean, like, I, I need, this is better than walking or taking the bus. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I know anyone who's been excited about like buying a Nissan. Like mm. I'm going to go buy me a Rogue. <gasps> I mean, uh, current Sentra is not all that bad, but like, uh, yeah. Out of other options. Yeah. Right. You just don't have a choice. You yeah. don't have the credit to buy something else. And Nissan's average credit scores are among it's Nissan, Mitsubishi, and uh, uh, Dodge Chrysler. Chrysler. Yeah. Okay, uh, Kia was pretty bad there for a while. Um, speaking of credit, Mitsubishi. Oh my God! Just I don't. Are you still here? That's my response. Well, here's a, to Mitsubishi. Yeah. What, Why are for, you still you here? The Lancer Why haven't you died? Which took the that uh, not the Lancer Sport back. The hold on. The Eclipse the, Cross. Yes, Eclipse Cross that has magnesium column-mounted shifter, like shifter paddles, which is fucking amazing until you realize what it controls. <laughs> and then there's the other Nissan that's, the the, uh, the other Mitsubishi that's actually now- The Space Star, the Mirage. No, 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 I'm not even talking about the Mirage. I was just, how the fuck was I talking to? Just talking to a buddy the other day, and I did not realize that the Mitsubishi SUV is actually a Nissan. Really? So the- Oh God, I should know this, but I haven't seen one yet. But the whatever that just dropped, their new SUV. I didn't even know they were doing hold that. Hold on. I will tell you now because we're on the EPA site. So you have the Altima, which is we know what, what those people do. Uh the It's not the case. The GTR is still for sale. Hold on. Why did I? Yeah. No kidding. Well, it's it's homologated for 24, I think it still is. Okay. So we have for 20, 2024, we have Mirage, Outlander, and Eclipse Cross, right? Outlander is a, am I getting this right or am I getting I this I have wrong? no idea. Yeah, I think the Outlander is the CVT Nissan, is a rogue. Uh, 
Like how 2.4 liter, what is going on? Yeah, 2.5 liter. Yep, it is a, it's hideous is what it is. <laughs> My God. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad when, you know, Nissan and Mitsubishi are starting to be the same car and we don't even know what the hell they are. Um, okay, well, I mean, it tells you you're not a car person. I just, I think it's a similar sort of buyer to Nissan. Like you're just out of choice. Like I don't, you need a car, you need transportation. You don't have much choice financially or credit wise, or there's only one. It's a car. Right. There's only one dealership. That's one of my very favorite ads that uh, was I've ever seen was the Toyota Yaris ads where it's just like a guy and there's a white background and there's a Yaris sitting there. He's like, it's a car. <laughs> That's effectively, you don't, you remember these ads? The Toyota Yaris has windows that go down. And up. Standard. It's a car. Uh, anyway, they're great. I, the only thing I think, remember a Mitsubishi ad is the uh, is the Porsche ad. Let's oh, face yes, it. Yes. I think it's hanging in that bathroom. Over yes. There. Let's let's face it. You didn't grow up spending your youth lusting after Mitsubishi, which was very perhaps true in the '90s because Mitsubishi didn't exist. Uh, when those people who were buying Porsches in the 90s. Right. But of course, for an entire generation of people, they actually did. And they were cool. There yeah, was they were eclipse. cool. There was the Eclipse and there was the 3000 GT mm-hmm. VR4 and yeah. Lancer era too, the, the Evos. Mm-hmm. Mini. Unserious. I mean, you want to talk about a dead brand walking. I don't understand what, like... You have I, to buy a you 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 want to buy a small car that isn't a penalty box Mitsubishi Mirage. So it, in the Bay Area, interestingly, Mini is the number one selling car in San Francisco, or was for for a because they're little because they're little and they're yeah. premium, right? Little so you, and premium, which is a specific tar. It's kind of European mindset. Exactly. You have a small city with not a lot of space, tiny driveways, tiny if garages. You, if, if, you right, if you have a garage or a driveway, something like a Camry is never going to fit, especially over some of these like, you know, yeah, San you Francisco hill beached. curbs. Yeah. yeah you get it on the sidewalk. And high so you need something with a tiny wheelbase, wheelbase, tiny width, tiny length so that you can squeeze it into, I think I've said this many times on this podcast. When I'm parking my e-golf in the city, I probably have to bypass at least at least one out of three spots is too small for me. At least, if not two out of three spots. And that's a golf. Mm. So, I mean, our friends who have larger cars could drive around and I'd literally buy. I had to park the van in the city the other day. I swear I drove past nine or ten parking spots that there was no chance I was going to fit it in. And I squeezed it into the spot where I was maybe an inch from the bumper of the car in front and behind me. It was like a 75 point turn. And thank God they were each above, uh, they were each driveways, uh, driveways so they could get out without ramming into it. But it was like a 30 minute parking job, Uh. you know, when the e-golf would have been four minutes and my Mark one golf would have been two. So that's who buys mini. That's why you have a $3 million house in San Francisco, i.e. a shithole (laughs) because prices are, I'm exaggerating, but you know, it's an expensive place to live. People have a lot of money and they can afford a $35,000 compact car. Mm -hmm. And so they buy mini. So what are we going to call them? European urban nights? Yes. You're not going to buy a mini if you live in the countryside. I imagine. Unless you're a masochist and you like the idea of a BMW sized repair bill without the, without the joys of rear wheel drive or of that badge. Uh, Mercedes Benz. Hmm. Really depends which one. 
Because you're buying a CLA. To me, you're like hopeless. Please just buy a fucking real car and stop focusing on the damn three pointed star. Because in this case, it's not doing you a service. Yeah, that's uh, but if you're buying an E-Class wagon, you're like, you're, you are the epitome of taste. If you're buying a G, you're probably Soviet-era mafia. <laughs> <laughs> or Beverly Hills housewife. I yes. Mean, housewife is a strong word. Beverly Hills style-conscious dweller. I don't okay. know who shops them. I mean, go to Rodeo Drive. Three out of every four yeah. cars is a G-Wagon. And then if you're buying an S-Class, you're like, okay, I see you are a f- cut from the old driver. school class uh, category of people who thinks that that is the epitome, but we, the world has sort of moved on a little bit, but it's kind of old school and I find it charming. So I, you know, I'd I like the S-Class. I don't know anyone who's bought an S-Class in the last 20 years. Yeah. I don't know anyone old enough. That's because they're all, yeah, it's a rich person's car. Is it really, it doesn't, so it doesn't work here. I think that's part of the problem yeah. is that the S-Classes do work other places, but not, they're too big for San Francisco. The only time I see, you'll see an S-Class here is with a livery sticker on it. They're, yeah. they're Ubers. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say Uber, they're private cars. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mercedes really, the front wheel drive stuff, get a fucking clue. Right. Yeah. Go back to school, do your homework, stop being such a fucking whore. Because especially when they have halogen headlights mm-hmm. and the light, the poorly illuminated Mercedes badge on the front, which means they couldn't afford any of the active safety features Didn't from radar crews. Right. I would rather have an illuminated badge on the front of my car than a system that could save my life. Get, shut the fuck up. So, um, yeah. And if I see a GLA or a CLA, or even yeah. a GLB, I sort of yeah. shake my head. I'm like, you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah. That's sad. You're more interested in projecting outwards the idea of success mm-hmm. yep. than anything else. But a C-Class, E-Class, S, I'm fine with. Yeah, and the SUVs are all, 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 other than the front-wheel drive ones, pretty good. So that's a tough one. Matsuda. Matsuda. But it's also just a shadow of what it used to be, Mercedes-Benz. Yeah. It used to be such just a head and shoulders above others in terms of the quality of engineering, and that is no longer... It's, uh, it was closer to Bentley 25 years ago than it is now. Yes. I mean, it was in price and build quality and certainly engineering was way ahead. Yes. Um, and now it's sort of one notch past Acura maybe. Yeah. It's, it's not middling, but it's not in the sort of class engineered like no other car in the world is no longer true. Yeah, that's true. Commodity. Uh, yes. Mazda. Mazda. Enlightened. Yeah. I think you're pretty smart to buy a Mazda. Yeah. I love that. I love when people do. You talk to them and these are people who are not. They were thoughtful and deliberate and sort of analytical, but also wanted to satisfy some sort of emotional sensation about like, I did this with uh, one of my friends. She's not a car person at all. And she said, I want something, you know, I have a Corolla now. I want something that's big enough for the dog and, you know, but will never give me any trouble. I never Mm -hmm. want to go to the dealer. I never want to pay for anything being repaired or wrong with it. And I said, CX-5. Mm-hmm. And she like loves it. She adores yeah. it. She's like, my the saddest thing about this is that I have to get a, something else after this. I said, just get another one. CX-50. It's even yeah. better. Yeah, so, no. That's exactly. These are Toyota. I sell I sell Toyota drivers on Mazdas when they don't want another Toyota. Yeah. Like you can or have, when they have like some actual emotional content to them. Well, you give, you give them, hey, you can have the Toyota experience or... You can have the Toyota experience with some sexy looks and a really beautiful interior yeah. and a driving driving experience that's always best in class, yes. I think. Um, yeah, Mazda. I, I tend to get along really well with Mazda people in the same way that I get along with, I used to get along with Panasonic buyers. Did mm. you ever find that? 
Yeah, yeah. We I, I had this conversation with my mother. We were shopping for a microwave in probably oh, the 1990s. God. We are far more similar than I care to admit. <laughs> So tell me, tell the audience about Panasonic is like, yeah, it's a Japanese brand that is leading, you know, if you're, it's leading the world in terms of technology and all of that, but it also has this sort of like, there's a sizzle to it that is absent in other more standard. Well, especially the microwave if you leave it on for too long. Oh, it will heat up the But it has some like, a, it, it's, there's some like, Je ne sais quoi. There's a I, there's this appeal to it that is a little bit difficult to characterize. It's just an appealing product, not just from a rational mm -hmm. perspective, but from a sort of like it makes you actually feel some affinity for this object. It's so funny. It's so funny. We've never talked about this. Have we? No, no. I I all of my electronics, consumer electronics, for most of my life have been Panasonic's, and I, they're all the same. The, the, what Panasonic did well was the Honda thing. Mm -hmm. They would take. They would take simple, elegant engineering solutions, no bullshit, no glitz, no fucking dancing like, you know, spectrum analyzers on the car stereos, for example. And they would put really good components in it and make it really affordable. And so, like, yes, I have a microwave that's that's Panasonic. It's 1,700 watts of cook power or something. So if the instructions say three to five minutes, I do two. Yeah. <laughs> if the instructions like no matter what, everyone overcooks the shit out of everything. I can every it's other one point seven kilowatt microwave. It's unbelievable. I hit the to boil a a eight ounce glass of water is fifty five seconds. I know this because I there's a one minute button and I go boop and I walk away and I come back and there's boiling water. I go into anybody else's home and I go into any non Panasonic microwave and this is so ridiculous that I know this and I'm like one two three four five like it's four minutes or five minutes like the Panasonic inverter there's some like they have some inverter thing that they yeah, invented yeah. um amazing all my car stereos were always back in the day panasonics and people would get in and you know like some non-enthusiasts would be like oh my god the sound system in this car and they look around and they're like panasonic i'm like yep speakers panasonic subs panasonic all the amps were like it was all panasonic shit not mm -hmm. all i mean i don't think they did make subs but the point was they were all like Night, they were Honda. It was yeah. Honda slash Acura level stuff. Yeah, world class um, stuff, like sensibly priced and commercialized appropriately in yeah. a way that the masses could access it. So weird. I didn't know we had that in common. Yeah, always had micro uh, Panasonic microwaves. <laughs> you still do? Yeah. yeah. I'm so worried. I built mine into the like. I built mine into the kitchen. There's like I custom cut a piece of cabinet around it. I'm like, if this fucking thing dies, I'm screwed. Like I'm not going to go back to waiting three minutes to boil a cup of coffee. Just not happening. <laughs> Maserati. Uh, Today's Maserati. Don't yeah. So you have a business meeting with somebody and they show up in a Ghibli. What do you do? Um, are they still parking? <laughs> or have they arrived yet and seen me? Oh, meaning did you have a chance to escape? <laughs> yes. You're not going to deal with them? I mean, can you, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine what would I say to somebody who shows up and like, hey, I just bought a Ghibli or a Quattroporte. I would, uh, I would cautiously try to tease out the reasons for their purchase <laughs> to understand the decision-making process. Cause they're like, oh yeah, I own a body shop and I'm just trying to get my guys to learn how to do some work on this thing. And I got it for free for, with a salvage title. So, right. you know, That's, okay. Right, okay. 
right? Like, I, would, I would start asking that those types of questions. Because yeah, what you don't want to hear is, I just walked. I've the always show. wanted a Maserati. I bought this thing. I, I got a great deal. I only paid five thousand over sticker. Right, nineteen hundred dollars a month with thirty eight thousand dollars down for this Ghibli, and you're like, I can't talk to you anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I just can't respect you. I don't want to do any commerce with you. Right, yeah, I just, I don't think your decision making is good. Like, yeah. in fact, I don't even want to have lunch with you. Get, yeah, get that's why I'm saying if they're still yeah. parking, I would probably leave. I mean, I guess a Levante. Yeah, no, no. MC20, I, I, I find, uh, I don't know, I like V6 noises. Mm. It's expensive. I mean, mostly what you hear is that pre-combustion chamber clatter. It almost sounds diesel-y mm. half the time. I, it's beautiful. The thing is beautiful, but yeah. yeah. I have a bad taste in my mouth from MC20. We had a one that we rented that it's kind of through all kinds of errors and whatever. Okay, Lucide, Lucid. Uh, props. I know the cars well. I do not know the owners. I don't know anyone who owns the Lucid. Yeah, I guess I don't either. But I would my my reaction to that person is like I commend you yeah. for choosing this device. Car spectacular. Yeah. So it's the kind of person that used to. Well, it's the kind of person that I. You know, I said the S class buyer is old school and old fashioned. This person is more objective about sort of looking at the world we live in now. And if you want to buy a really premium product that is world-class this is kind of where you go so. yeah but you could still also do an s i mean so you get out of a like the lucid's amazing until you get out of it and then you get into an s class and you're like wow this is in terms of glitz not actual engineering substance i don't you know I, i'm lucid yeah, but there. that's not traditionally what the s class was if right. you think back to the 126 you know or the 116 you read Quite the articles and people are like the seats are a little bit firm and it's kind of luxurious but it's like not that luxurious like yeah. when you read the 6.9 versus the contemporary rolls-royce road test mm -hmm. there was like man this thing's pretty severe inside yeah. for a fifty thousand dollar car when they're talking about the 116 there's a right. sort of like Germans took a minute to get to the the position of like. Well, I think they went too treating, far. Yes, right. Because if you look at the 108, which is the generation before the 116, that that was a pretty premium, luxurious mm -hmm. experience. Like it's broke and there's lots mm -hmm. of chrome and there's wood on the windshield pillars and stuff. And then like yeah, 70s things got a little bit severe. And the 126 is a little bit like it's almost too rational. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not cushy enough. That was always everyone's complaint about Sako era stuff, right? It's yeah, just, but it was, it was little... so understated that it wasn't, people wanted a little bit more pizzazz. Yeah. And I sort of, I was one of the people who fought the idea that every Mercedes should have the sport grill, right? I like yes. a stand-up hood ornament yes. Yes. with a little bit of chrome and a little bit of... Yeah, it's the upright, sort of slightly square rigged. It's like if you, you live in a, you know... Uh, colonial house, right? You don't live in a modern box made out of right. aluminum and whatever the hell else houses Classic. are made of glass. Right. Um, you you live in a you've chosen to live in an, in an old house and it's in beautiful shape, mm -hmm. but it's not a new house, yeah. which is what the Lucid is. Yeah, and I, I think Mercedes has gone too far into the bordello, yes. you know, thing. And Lucid hasn't. But and all the flowing curves. I mean, that was a response to the severity of what the what the Sacco era. Right. I need to get back to center because I think Lucid does a better job. Of it. Yeah, but I don't know who buys them. Other than I would say, yes, props, props, especially like I don't know if I've ever seen a Sapphire on the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would have one, but I, to spend a quarter million dollars on one is a, is a tall order. It's a lot of dollars. Right. If, you know, if I had money flowing like water, sure. Would I have one over an S-Class? Absolutely. Uh, Lincoln. Mm, you know, m m MK Moribund. Uber. Yeah. 
more fun to get. That was yeah. That got a lot of laughs. Oh, did it? Yeah. I didn't read all the comments. It it was a bunch of friends called. They're like, still coasting to a stop, and you're like, moribund. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it's an old. Yeah. It's a it's an Uber or it's a it's an Uber for me. Yeah. Unless it's a navigator, and then it's an Uber. Yeah. (laughs) It's an Uber XL. Yeah. If it's a navigator. Uh, Lexus. Lexus is. I don't know. I I mean, they're... Old lady. Yeah. If it's an ES, ES for sure is an old person. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, our okay. RX is also R- an old person. Especially if that old person is a real estate agent. Yeah. 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 But what about like, uh, do they still make the GS? No. No? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Uh, interesting. Cause the GS was always kind of the GS and IS were always the exciting ones. No, they don't make the GS anymore. Mm-hmm. Our choices are ES, which is a Camry. Well, yeah, that's a, an that's old, an old person Avalon. car. IS that was always like the sporty three series I, fighter. Is that still true now? Eh, yeah, it's getting pretty long in the tooth. They did give it a facelift, but I never see them. I don't, I don't think they're selling ever. Uh-huh. Um, IS is a nice sports sedan, but to me is always driven Again, this is just a geographic observation in like, especially California, Northern and Southern California, they are driven by like Asian 20 somethings. Like I just always see them being 20. They're great cars, um, but I just don't know why you don't see them. LS, I have not seen a single one on the road. LC is like, Quite a visual statement. Yes. Yeah. It's the, it's uh, the R129 buyer. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe a little bit of a cooler one than an R129 buyer. I'm I'm thinking like yes, this like guy's a, not a wearing a cap. he's not wearing a sport coat every day. Right, he's got a baseball cap on and a, a lot yeah. of jewelry. We're, yeah, and then <laughs> and the R129 buyer is likely to be wearing a, a sport coat. Yeah, um, and then everything else is a is a truck NX RC RX. Well, RC is not a uh, RC. I can't believe they're still making that NX RX TX and UX. UX? Yeah, it's a little one. There's a thing one. called a UX? Yeah, it's the little one. Isn't that user experience? It is. A TX is transmit. I hope the UX is good. Well, okay, let's think about this. UX is user experience. TX is transmit. RX is receive. No, RC is pres- remote control. RC, RX is also prescription. prescription. <laughs> RC is remote control. Remote control. NX? Nox. Nox. <laughs> LX? No. Mm. LS? Chevy. Chevy. Chevy motor. Chevy motor. <laughs> LC? Yeah, no. IS is and ES España. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we've no. gone through Lexus. Yeah, I don't uh, Lexus is a little bit all over the place because I think yeah, IS Yeah, they have a discordant yeah. brand identity. It really depends what the car is. Mm-hmm. But like I think, Cadillac. I think most of the cars are really good. It's just it's kind of tough to put them in but Land Rover. Hmm. Like your neighbor tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> Patient. Yeah. Patient, tolerant. Multiple owns multiple vehicles. I like Rover people. Yeah. I tend to like Rover people because they're just a little bit more chill than like Toyota people. I had a squeak or a rattle or whatever. Yeah. And the Rover people are like, well, Piston came flying through the side of the block again. <laughs> whatever. I rented another shit box. I don't like it. I'm, it'll be out of the shop eventually. Yeah. They're just like, fair. hi. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, exactly. Chilled. Xanax, yeah. Yeah. Chilled Benzo. out. Yeah. There you go. Right. Rover. The Land, Land Rover buyers are just on benzodiazepines. Uh, Lamborghini. Modern Lamborghini drivers. Yeesh. More money than taste. That's always been Lamborghini. Not always. 
That has been Lamborghini's yeah. vibe since at least, I don't know, you could argue that it started with Amira. It was certainly true of the... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wish I had more money than taste. I have far more taste than I have money. <laughs> Neither of each, I'll have you know. Uh, and the Countach, for sure, was that. So was the Diablo. I mean, this is the problem. In period, all supercars are bought by douches. Yes. Right? Not, obviously not all, but, you know, and then over time... That's the personality The attracts. cars lose the douche factors, except for Lamborghinis. I feel like... You think Diablo... Or do you think Countach... Look, I... I, far less of a douche factor than they were, but what makes you choose a Countach over an equivalent Ferrari? I guess, what is it? An equivalent of Tessarosa? A BB? I don't know. I, it's an interesting thing. To me, I think if you mm. survive cars and coffee in your Mustang, if your driver's license survives that, and you grow up to become rich, you then buy a new Lamborghini. Like yeah. that's the yeah, same yeah. sort of like but maybe so, so minus buying the, a Countach. The old stuff is different, but the people who are large children. I think the Countach is such an amazing visual statement that it transcends everything. And actually, I like the way they drive. So yeah, I do too. I I, I like them from start to finish, but I think the new stuff. Because remember, we're we're trying to judge people of new. Like somebody shows up to my house in a in a Huracan, and I don't think I want to speak to them. Yeah, Diablo. Have you which Diablos have? have I only drove a six liter once. Um, it was a manual every time. Uh, I'm sorry. It was a six speed. And when you touch five speed, wasn't the VT a six speed? No, I drove a VT yesterday. I spent the whole day driving a VT yesterday. I thought they were the first six speeds or they were the last dog legs. That's the last dog legs. Sorry. I knew there was something, uh, different about it. Um, I remember getting in the car and thinking, wow, what a shit interior. It feels mm-hmm. like a Chrysler in here. Yeah, yeah. Because of course it was. Yes. And then there's a ridge. I don't know if all the cars have this, but there's a, a the, the, the. There's a wavy thing. A, a wavy thing, thing on the top. Yeah, well, that has That's a, all the, uh, the lights. Yes. And they're so well integrated into the design that uh, all the idiot lights that I didn't know they were there until the check engine light kept coming on <laughs> constantly. And there were two of them, I feel. There were like two. Yeah, there's a left and right there. bank one. That's true. Yeah. And they were both like, and they were freaked out. The car sounded good. I didn't love. The interior was such a 90s let down to me yes. that I, it was my least favorite of the V12 Lambos. Uh my impression is the same, hmm. although yesterday I spent a lot of time driving one, and I went in skeptical mm-hmm. for all of the same reasons, and then I, uh, after hauling ass in it, I left converted, actually. I thought it was going to be just a hot, shitty mess no. in every respect, and dynamically I was like, holy shit, this thing is kind of excellent. I didn't... I don't. I drove it. I don't remember. I mean, I pushed it in straight line because I remember I got all the V12 Lambos together for this one shoot and I got video of every one of the, so uh, Aventador had just come out. So it was all, it was Mura, Countach, Diablo, Murcielago and Aventador all did like a zero to 130 mile an hour run on this closed road with a cop in the passenger seat, which is kind of cool. Um, and that one was the sort of least, the one that made me smile the least, I think. And it was <laughs> just, Look at the company that I was in. Yeah. Um, but the, to me, the uh, the the telling part is you get into a Murcielago six speed, and the thing is absolute magic. And I have a feeling <sighs> all of the Lamborghinis are like they all get this reputation for being pigs unwieldy pig, you know, un- unwieldy, unwieldy pigs, yeah. and they're fucking amazing. Yeah. So I was really impressed 
by how much it sort of could dance. I thought it was just going to be like a tractor, and it mm. really wasn't. And not. None of them were. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know what a Countach is like to really hustle. I've not. Spent... I've never done that with a Countach. But that's unusual. Yeah. That's like unusual really hustled. No. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I drove it normally and I kind of loved it. It was yeah, a, such I a agree. cool experience. I was hot and I was sweating and, you know, yeah. I hurt my shoulder yeah. uh, steering it. But it was, yeah, I'm not actually surprised about the Diablo because it was just. I, I, I found it weirdly like chuckable, hmm. like genuinely, actually chuckable. Which was amazing because they weighed 4,100 pounds, right? Uh, 3,750, I think. Says who? I don't know. Was you it think like Lamborghini? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing Bugatti EB110 research at the moment. And like the factories weight were like, you know, typical Italians. And this is all Lamborghini engineers who did the uh, Bugatti EB110. And they're all like 2,700 pounds. The fucking thing was 4,200. Like they weren't even close. It was like, well, that's without the engine or the glass or the body panels or, you know, basically it was just a batch. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like Diablos were... I think the only thing heavier than an EB110 was a Diablo, and I feel like they were 4,100 pounds. Really? I've um, seen like 37, 38. Okay. No matter. It, yeah, um, we'll find out. Um, let's go weigh one. Let's go tall ass on a Lamborghini. Um, but yeah, Mercy six speed was mind blowing. And I had it on a track for, for the, <sighs> the video that we did for a bull market two years ago. And my God, I want that car. And now they're like a million bucks. No, they're like half a million. Do you want to go in on one? Can we get 10 people? 20? <laughs> 30. 30 people to go in on one. <laughs> Let's do it even. 52 people, we each get a week with it. Okay, yeah. perfect. Time God, share. it's going to come. Yeah, but it's, then it's going to be down. Well, okay, so each of us get one day with it, and then it spends six in the shop. Yes. And it goes to the next person. Uh, interesting. I the whole This whole idea of the fact that we are pretty aligned on what we feel like the drivers of these cars are is is fascinating to me now we often are yeah but this shouldn't really be right i mean if Why? you think about like we're dealing with a, the same people and the same data and the i get and we geographically live in the same yeah. area i this would be another a really fun competition uh con the, the, the fun conversation to have somebody with somebody from europe like yes, we just pick 10 or 15 the, brands and just kind of go and see if this is anything remotely the same and i have a feeling it won't be yes i'm sure of it I would and love I, to know if Subaru drivers are as insufferable elsewhere in the world as they are here. Yeah, please put that in the comments. I mean, you know, again, I, my sister lives on the East Coast in the South, and she's got a Tesla now, and she's... Driving like, a spaceship. She sent me a picture of it, and I'm like, and? And she's like, Tesla Model Y, and she was in Charleston, which is, you know, like oldie schooly, and I'm like, and? And she's like, it's a Tesla on the street in an old town, and I'm like, And? And I was at a stoplight like an hour later and or a, a red light and there were like 30 Teslas that went by in the opposite direction while I was just sitting there. One yeah. next to me, one next to me. I mean, they're just so everywhere. So there are definite huge differences in, in ge geographical differences in what people buy in the US. That has always been true. Yeah. Well, I don't know about always, but it's certainly been true since the import thing started because I think that the coastal people were much more receptive to buying imported cars oh, yeah. initially than uh, elsewhere in the country. I was talking to a guy uh, yesterday at a deli who was like, oh my God, I love the, I love your Rover video. I'm like, oh, thanks. He's like, I remember those very well. And I'm like, you don't have an English accent is what I thought to myself. Uh, and he was from, told me somewhere, he's some like rich place in California. And he's like, yeah, we all like, everyone was rich. So we had all these cool imports. 
And I'm like, and there were rovers? Oh, yeah, everyone. Everyone had a rover. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I'd think, okay, so if you think about it this way, you go to like wealthy areas in Vermont or Connecticut and and there were sobs everywhere in the 80s and 90s. And I think the sort of like, quote unquote, coastal elite or the you know the berkeley professors whatever they all were Driving going their for two-stroke sobs yeah sobs and two-stroke got a peugeot i mean yeah the town yeah. that i grew up in there was one car dealer and it was peugeot like that's pretty fucking nuts yeah like, you know ask somebody in you know who grew up born the same year as me grew up in the 80s in muncie indiana or any really anywhere else other than like weird New England land yeah, within yeah. you know 100 miles or 30 miles of Peugeot's North American headquarters, they've never even heard of a Peugeot. And the fact they that, were used as taxis in New York City, I learned. What was 405s and 505s? 405s had no back seat. 100 what 405s had tiny little back Sorry, seats. Sorry, not 405, the 404. 404 really? and 505 were both used as New York City taxis. They had like almost a thousand of them. There's like oh, okay watch, out of three million. Yeah, but you can watch movies and there's just like it's the traffic has like Peugeot five hundred five taxis. Yeah, I mean they had enormous suspension travel, which would make sense in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean look, I grew up there and I don't ever remember seeing a Peugeot taxi. I would have remembered because my mom had a five hundred five, yeah. and so of course I was obsessed with them. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, wild taxis. Yes. Ugh. Okay, so did we do Kia last time? We did not no, do we Kia did not last do Kia. time. Yep, that's our last one. Okay. Um, hmm. So like Kia Soul has an element of like Nissanification, which is like, I see you have a preference not to walk or take the bus, (laughs) which I understand. I mean, but like the, uh, their EV products are quite good. And there's a, the EV stuff is really cool. I mean, and it is like a form of Hyundai for some reason, the, the, is this the low rent version of a Hyundai? Is that what it Kia's was role is? What, what, is their, what is their intended relationship? The, the company sort of grew in two different directions at the same time, and they were not actually set up properly. Like if you went back and set up Hyundai Kia as a company, you wouldn't have Hyundai Kia Genesis in the form that they are now because Genesis is a sub-brand of Hyundai and is the luxury brand. Kia is its own separate thing. And so Kia should have been, and we thought in the U.S. initially, Kia was... The power surprise was their thing. The idea was that you were getting a lot of features for a little bit of money. But actually, right now, Kias are no cheaper than Hyundai's. Um, so how are they and, not cannibalizing? And there's there have been there are a couple of crossover things where the Kia is actually above the Hyundai and sort of like um, what the hell was it? I was talking to one of the product planners and they were like, "This is tough right now because the Kia stuff is actually closer to the Genesis stuff, and you mm. can't get." The Genesis, like it's wild. So what is GV60 and EV6 and Ionic 5? What is, how are these differentiated from each other, the three electric cars? And it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So they list, at least all look quite different to right. each other. They, they've done a fantastic job of differentiating those cars. Yeah. The gas powered cars, slightly less so. I mean, yeah, you I look mean, at the Telluride and the Palisade and I something. don't remember which one is which. Well, there's a Kia, uh, Kia Telluride. I just didn't oh, no. know who made yeah, which yeah. one. Hyundai Palisade. Um, yeah, the Telly, everyone loves a Telluride, but no one cares that it's a Kia. It's, that's got its own brand. That's another one. That'll become like a legend in the accurate legend mm-hmm. sense. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have a Telly. No one who says I drive a Telluride says I bought a Kia. Right. So there's a bit of a branding problem with, with that. Um, well, but they're making a very good product that's compelling. They're making a great so. product that everyone loves and is compelling, but they're not, it's not being associated with their name. 
Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that was what, why Acker abandoned legend and all their other names, Integra, which I think was a fuck up. I agree. Cause now they just have alphabet soup and it's just like you were doing with Lexus, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they're replicating the German approach, which is relentlessly rational. But now the power of the letter S, mm-hmm. you know, S class means something, but you know, when you keep changing your lettering conventions every decade or so, well, and look, even no the Germans chance. aren't getting it right. Can any? Can you name all of the different Mercedes models and what they are? Well, like, there's been they've proliferated. When there were only three, it was very easy to yes. do. Yeah, that's true. Well, they and they had, let's be honest, they had fucked up before that. I mean, the fact that one the yes, one ninety e was available with a two point six, so therefore it should have been called a two sixty e. But there was a two sixty e that they had to get rid of and call a three hundred e two point six. Yeah, because yes. everyone was completely confused. Well, that's that why they dumb. rationalized everything in nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Which made a big difference. Yep. Um, anyway, of course, okay. we're concluding with a discussion of 90s Mercedes Benzes, uh, which means that the episode must be over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're, we're join gonna, us. Let's start another one. Let's start, go jump right into it talking about more Mercedes from the 1990s. Great. Or not. Uh, join us next week, probably for another episode of the Carmudgeon Show. Yes. Please don't be offended if we said anything terrible about your car. Well, be a little bit offended, but make a really funny comment about it. How about that? Great. <laughs>